This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Sales EQ, Objections, and Inc., and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. On this episode, we've got Victor Antonio. And I brought Victor in to the Blue Studio at Sales Gravy headquarters to talk about the internal sale. I got a, a, a question from one of our insiders just the other day ago. And if you want to be a member of my insider group, all you got to do is just text me at 706-397-4599. That's 706-397-4599. You can type insider, you can type podcast, or you can just ask me a question. And if you got a feedback on this particular podcast, or maybe you've got some ideas that you've explored, send me a note, let me know what you got going on. And uh, if you got a question for Victor, I'll get a question to Victor. But one of the big questions is I work for a company and I sell stuff. And then when I bring deals to the table, what happens is they tell me, well, you didn't get enough price or your contract's not right, or you need to go do this or you need to go this or go back to the customer. But they're giving me a hassle and the internal sale is so much harder than the external sale. Mm. What's wrong with my company and what do I do about it? So I thought maybe you and I, Victor, could talk about what do we do when the internal sale is harder than the external sale? That's a shame by itself, right? That's a shame. If you think about it, why should the internal sale be harder? Step number one is I would quit. That's what I would do. Go to another company. But if that is not an option, then we have to fix the internal sale. So I always like to take, I don't know about you, Jeb, but I always like to take personal responsibility for me not being able to sell something. So I'm doing something wrong. Either I'm not clarifying the rule before I go out to sell so that when I do come in, I can actually sell it up the food chain. So I think I might be doing something wrong. So I would turn that question around to the person and say, what are you doing before you actually come back and sell a deal? For example, if there are some margins that they have to have with pricing, then are we getting those margins? If a product's already proven and sold, then why would that be hard to come back and sell it internally? So there's something that the person is doing wrong. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that if we, if we step back, I think that if you think about it, if your internal sale is harder than the external sale, you have a couple of choices, right? Mm -hmm. One choice is quit whining about it and just learn how to do the internal sale. Like you learn, you got to learn how to master, how right. do you get the people in your organization to accept your contracts? Mm -hmm. You could maybe try to be positive about it and sit down with your organization, the leaders and say, these things are really creating some, some roadblocks for us. Could we maybe adjust the process mm -hmm. or you can quit and go find someplace else to work, which right. in some cases may be the option. And, and the company's not going to get a clue until enough people, salespeople, good salespeople go away and go work for the competitor that doesn't put up such a fight. But I, I like what you said. Maybe you got to first go look in the mirror. If mm -hmm. you're, if you've got a difficult time selling your deal inside, Maybe either because you're fighting it and so you think that you're on some sort of a, a mission and trust me, you're going to lose that mission. The company's going to win every time. Right. So or, or maybe you just don't understand. Maybe you're you're you know, you're leaving eyes undotted and T's uncrossed. And there's somebody in the organization that's calling you out on that. And the fact is, you're not doing your job like you're not really thinking about these are the the, the parameters of deals that I bring to the table. These are the rules. Before I go out there, maybe I need to make sure that I'm calling on the right customer. Maybe I'm getting the right prices. Maybe I'm not like, you know, it's like when you're a salesperson, and you bring in this deal and it's like a, I call it a big turd. Like you just drop this big turd on the desk of your, of your manager and go like, that was the best I could get. But yeah, we got to do this and do this and do this. And then we got to do this and do this and do this. And by the way, we're not going to make any money for the next five years, but they're promised me there's going to be a lot more down the road. Like We've heard that. Yeah. You bring those deals in and like your manager goes, I, I can't take this. You got to go out and get, and you get your feelings hurt because you think you've done a good job. So 
so it begins there. Mm -hmm. So let's just start with that. If you're a salesperson and you're struggling with the internal sale, let's walk through what would you do in 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 terms of planning your deals, looking at your pipeline, mm -hmm. working through the system to make sure that when you sit down with your boss or the accountants, the bean counters, mm -hmm. the people out there that think all you do is play golf and that right. you know you're making too much money and they get in your way, when you sit down in front of the no sales department to make your case. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that when you're sitting down, the case is made? You know, it's it's funny. I'm not questioning this caller or whoever sent you the question, I'm, but but I am questioning. I guess I am questioning it because no rational company would reject the sale unless it's a turd, as you pointed out. Great visual, by the way. And so when somebody brings in a sale, oh, come on, if it has the right margins and it's a product we currently offer and we're, it's, we're currently selling, it's in inventory. Why would anybody say yes? Unless you offered, you gave them a discount, you shouldn't have given them. You you agreed to payment terms, as you said, you didn't cross the T's, dot the I's properly, that the management says, no, uh, this is like another Enron deal. We can't do that type of payment scheme, all right? Or, you know, something else. So I, I'm going to push back on this because there's always two sides to the story. But if we're going to be kind here, we're going to be benevolent because I'm with Jeb, so I'm trying to be nice here. And that is that if it is an internal sales that you're having problems with, is it's all about clarification, as you pointed out. Can I sell this product? Yes. Give me the range of discounts I can work with. Yes. You know, what else do I need to know? And then go out to the field and then bring it back. I think you'll have, I guess I've never had that problem, Jeb, unless I bring something that doesn't align with what the company offers. Typically, that's it. So, so usually what happens is you're desperate. This is, this is the, 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 the base thing. It always comes. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Oh, I smell. I smell the desperation yes. from here. <laughs> it's it's the universal law of need, right? The more you need the deal, the the more likely you're going to lose the deal. And if you do get the deal, the more likely you're going to give away a lot of stuff to get it. So so what's happening is you're desperate. So because you have an empty pipeline, and the reason you have an empty pipeline is you're not prospecting every single day. You're not doing things to fill up the pipeline. So when you're sitting in front of the customer, you're in a situation where you're having to give up a lot sure. in order to get the deal in. And you think that getting the paper signed is or getting the, you know, the, the PO, mm -hmm. you think that that's what has to happen in order for you to win. Mm -hmm. But that's not what has to happen. You have to generate revenue. Correct. So, for mm -hmm. example, you know, in our business, we've got some pretty you know, basic rules. Like one of our rules is because what we sell is air, like we sell mm -hmm. an intangible training. Mm -hmm. Like we don't deliver training unless we have payment mm. because if we deliver the training and then the company doesn't pay us, then we haven't, we can't go get the product back. Like we have no leg to stand on. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're just going to lose the money and we probably paid someone to deliver the training. So that's a basic rule for us. So when a salesperson comes in and says, well, I've worked this thing out. The payment terms are going to be net 90. Mm -hmm. You've met Carrie, right? Yeah. Carrie is the no sales <laughs> department, right? So you met Mary too. So Mary's <laughs> operations. So they go, no, we're not taking this. And the salesperson comes to me and says, well, Jeb, you don't understand. And the reason they come to me is because I am the sales department and I'm the guy that goes, okay, well, let's figure out how we can do this. Cause that's what I do. Like I'm, let's work this out. But those rules I don't cross. Like we, we I've, I've learned, I've been there. I mean, you've probably been there too. And you know, I only had to learn that lesson. Well, I had to learn it twice because I'm dumber than you are. Most people have to learn it once, but you deliver something and then they didn't pay you for it. And you're like, I don't have anything to get back. Yeah. So we have basic rules in our organization that say we have to do these things. So 
the salespeople who get sideways with that are the ones who and they're bringing a deal in. They're, they're really attached to it. They think that they're doing the right thing to their customer. And then they show up with a deal and we're, we're not going to take it. And they have to go back to the customer and say, I'm sorry, you're going to have to give me 50% deposit before we're going to line a trainer up to deliver this. Now, that's not the same thing for companies we've been doing business with for 10 years. And right. we have a, you know, we've got a relationship and we, you know, it works. We have a different relationship with them, but the salespeople don't understand that. Like they think, well, you're doing it for them. You should do it for my customer. Well, it's, it's funny because you, you're bringing back so many horrible memories for me, you know, because I've been in this situation where I've had to mediate between finance and the salesperson. Like, why did you agree to that deal? And then I got to go to the finance guy. Come on. Is there anything we can do to kind of, because in many cases, the salesperson doesn't want to go back and say, hey, I need to change the terms because they were too cowardly to actually put the, yeah. you've defined your, 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 I guess the, the rules up front. Yeah. The terms right? and conditions. This and is what we're willing to work with. T's and C's up front. Yeah. Sometimes the salesperson desperate to get a sale, not enough leads in the pipeline will actually bend. Right. And even on the discount side, I saw there was a, there was a book written years ago. It was, I think it was called value added selling by Tom Riley or something like 1985, 86. And I'm still, the numbers still, I'm, I'm sure the numbers still apply, but if you give a 5% discount top line, it impacts your margin, like 25 to 35%, depending on your variable mm -hmm. costs and things of that nature. And I think salespeople don't understand that, that 5% discount doesn't mean a 5% hit on the profit margin. It usually means more than that. And I think that's where finance people get really mad. Yeah. So let's, let's think about finance people getting really mad. So let's just say you're working on a deal and it's got hair on it, as we mm -hmm. would say, like it's, you know, and they do like, you know, so we, we signed a deal the other day, a contract where we signed up to a clause in our, our customer's co contract that we normally would say no to, mm -hmm. but it's big. Yeah. It's really big. And we have to use some judgment. The leadership team's been involved from the very beginning. So the salesperson's not been out on the island by themselves working on it. We've all been in this together. And we like this, this company. We, we, it's a game changer for us as an organization to bring this company on. And we've decided to take the risk mm -hmm. because we made a calculated decision to take the risk together. But think about this. It wasn't the salesperson who went out in the field solo, all alone, working on a big deal, get a contract signed, bring it back, drop the turret on the table and say, hey, look at me. I signed this really big deal. And then and then the finance people look at it and then our lawyers look at it. And then the leadership team, Keith and I, my executive vice president, and I look at it and go, no way we're signing. There's way too much risk in this. Right. The salesperson from the very beginning brought us in had us involved, had, you know, got the, the, had the lawyers involved, had the CFO involved and said, we're probably going to have to make some adjustments here because we need them more than they need us. And that was the truth. And this is really big for us. And we said, look, we, we want this logo. This logo means something to our organization. So we, we've had to work some things out with the customer, but we weren't telling the salesperson, no, you need to go back out and talk to this customer and tell them, no, we were in it together. And one of the big mistakes I see with salespeople and it's sort of this lone wolf mentality is that you're out working on deals and you're not talking to your boss about the conversations we have with the customer. You're not sitting down with the, with the finance person and saying, Hey, let's, and when I say finance, I'm not talking about car finance. Yeah. I'm talking about the people in your organization that count the beans. Right. Mm -hmm. So sitting down with them and saying, listen, I, I might need to make an adjustment here in order to get this deal in. What can I do? Like bring them in and make them part of it. You're yeah. you're, you're, you're operating outside of the, of, of the, the team versus 
collaborating and building consensus that you can do this. And the salespeople that are really good at managing their internal relationships, so they treat those internal relationships the same way they treat their external relationships, those salespeople almost are always more mm. successful in getting their deals through. And all the salespeople out there who have empty pipelines that are working alone are pointing, would you let Susie get that deal through? Yeah. You go, well, listen, this deal was different than your deal. Mm -hmm. Here's here's why. But the salesperson who's a lone wolf never understands that. They don't get mm. that that accepting your deal, part of it is accepting you. Like it's trusting you as a salesperson. It's believing in you. That I, I think that matters. I, you know, it's, it's funny because you think about this buy-in. Basically what you're talking about is how do we get buy-in inside, but also how do you condition your people inside over time so when the turd does come through the door, we all say, hey, it's our turd. Yes. We all agreed it's our turd. And like my wife is an expert at this. It's like if she wants something, she mentions it. Mm -hmm. Like, let's. I think we should go on vacation. And I go, no, no, I'm out of the mood. I got other things going on. I don't want to go on vacation. She goes, that's fine. Just think about it. A couple of weeks later. Hey, by the way, have you thought about that vacation? I go, what, what vacation? You know, the one I mentioned two, three weeks ago. She goes, no, I haven't thought about it. I said, well, I think I got some ideas. I don't want to talk about vacation. A month later, month and a half. Hey, by the way, remember that vacation we talked about? I'm like, kind of, why? And then she'll bring up three options, right? And you're like, by the next thing you know, we're on vacation. Yes. It's, it's like this slow burn, right? And I, But to your point, it's the same way. You have to condition the folks inside so they'll be more accepting when the deal finally comes in. I think it's a great point you're making. So let's, let's think about what we've what we've come up with so far for mastering the inside sale. So, oh, I just made up a new term. Yeah. Mastering, mastering the, the inside, inside sale. Mastering the inside Could be sale. a book. It's you almost therapeutic too. Yeah, it is. How's a good word? So number one is play by the rules. So make sure that before you're going out on the street, make sure that you know what the rules are and you're playing by those rules. I worked for a company, for example, that they said, as a salesperson, you can discount up to this much. Mm -hmm. And that's how your discounts were. If you need more discounts, you got to get a good approval. And Absolutely. you need to get that approval in advance. If you didn't get the approval in advance, your deal got kicked out. That was just how it worked. So you knew, here's the rules. So play by the rules. So get your, you know, get your ducks in a row. Do your pre-call planning. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're calling the right customer. And at the same time, what will help you play by the rules is have a full pipeline so right. that you can be picky about the deals you're working on. So you're not just working on turds. You're working on a lot of stuff. Not, de not desperate. And I, and I think it's worth pointing out that if play by the rules means if you want to be a lone wolf, go ahead and be a lone yeah. wolf. But you got to color within the lines. Exactly. And play by the rules. Play by the rules. Then no desperation. You, you, you avoid that by selling like you don't have to sell. So you can be picky. That means you have a full pipeline. Always comes back to prospecting. And then and then sell in terms like be a member of your team. Like, you know, manage those relationships. Get close to people. I, I'm, I remember like taking controllers out. Like I worked for a company. We signed contracts. And these things were financial contracts. And the controller could say no. I'm not doing this. So the general manager might have to say yes, but these were, I mean, these were like five year, some of these contracts were worth, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, some of them worth a million dollars. But if they just said, no, you're done. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so I had to have a relationship with them. So I would take them to coffee. You know, I would, I would celebrate with them, go to lunch with them. I had a relationship so that when I needed to sit down and have the conversation, it wasn't an adversarial conversation, them against me. It was me sitting down with them saying, can you help me figure out how to get this done? Right. And then they would get their calculator out and start working with me and say, well, if we could do this, we could do this. I, I'd approve that. But see, I mean, I, isn't that it? I mean, Jeb, you, you wrote a book on EQ. So isn't this part of that? You know, it's how do you get the, when you're selling inside, whether it's the comptroller or I, also legal is always a good person to take out, right? You know, because all of a sudden they hear your stories during that lunch. You're telling them what's going on. You're also socializing. And for some reason, people want to help you. Yeah. It's when you pointed out, you come in, you surprise and they go, whoa not mine, that's yours. That's exactly right. So you don't surprise people. So we've got three core things we can do. 
now this is more about acceptance. Like this is, you know, this is kind of like, um, you know, when you accept you got a problem. Part of it is I don't think salespeople really understand why the rules are in, in existence. And I want to walk through that real quickly because salespeople have a tendency to think like for the CRM, you ask me to do the CRM, you're doing it for you. You're doing it for the, I'm doing it for the man. Like the, so the man can walk to me, not, not thinking like, <laughs> yeah. the CRM's a gold mine. Yeah. And the same thing with the rules are like, these people are all against me. Right. Here's a truth. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but here's the truth. All right. He's about to drop okay. something. He's about to drop something. Here it comes. If you let the salespeople make the rules, they will burn the house down. I agree. There will be no house left. It I will, agree. It would be I agree. burnt to the foundation, right? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> because because what do we ask salespeople to do? Yeah. Go get me deals. Yeah. Like that's the behavior we want. And if somebody doesn't put rules in place, yeah. the salespeople will go get deals. We are those kids. We are those kids. We need corrective behaviors, you know, in place, or else we'll just go nuts. We will burn the house down because we just want to close deals. And I think we're not thinking about the business. We're just thinking about what's coming in through the door and my commission on that. Yes. And that's not a bad thing. As a leader, sure. I want my salespeople out going, go find me a deal, go find me a deal, go find me a deal, go mm -hmm. find me a deal. And the reason I have rules is so that when they're finding the deal, they're thinking to themselves, should I keep working on this deal? Because right. if this customer is telling me that they're not willing to work under those terms, like we have customers say, look, we want 90 day terms on training. We just say, no, we just, not, we just don't, do it. we'll introduce you to my, our competitors who are happy to be your bank, but we're not, we're not a bank. So that's, that's Mike Warren Birch. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm not a bank. So, but we'll, we'll just go introduce you. If, that's, if those are the terms and conditions that you can only live by, then we're just not the right fit for you. So, I, I, I wanted know. to highlight, not to cut you off, Jeff, but I wanted to highlight something because you're kind of talking about it indirectly, which is negotiation skills. Yes. On both sides. Your ability to negotiate a deal externally and then come back in and negotiate something internally is part requisite of what you need to learn as a salesperson. And since salespeople as a whole suck at negotiation. They hate negotiation. For all the people out there that hate the fact that I just used the word suck, S-U-C-K, I'm so sorry. I apologize because somebody's going to comment that I used the word, but salespeople suck at negotiating and they don't like it. And if you don't like negotiating because negotiating is conflict, what do you do? So the customer says, well, listen, I'll, I'll do, I'll, I'll sign it if you do all these things. The salesperson says, okay. Yeah. And they sign it and they bring it in and they're even willing to take less of a commission check mm -hmm. in order to avoid negotiating. You've seen this happen. Therefore, if you don't have people or rules in place that require you to negotiate, as you said, color between the lines, the salespeople will burn the house to the foundation. There will be nothing left but ashes just because they only focus on their self-interest. What, what I do I it. want? Right. I, by the way, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition because if, you, if you're good at negotiation, okay, you can get the deal you want. But to really solve the problem, just be great at prospecting. Because again, if you have so many deals in the pipeline, you don't want to negotiate because right. you don't have to negotiate. So if you don't like prospect, uh, negotiation, then just guess what? Fill your pipeline. Exactly. But if you have a weak pipeline, you better be good at negotiation. Exactly. You're exactly right. So a full pipeline, you got emotional control, you can negotiate, you've got options, you can be picky. Or if you, you know, if you're the salesperson that says, I'm going to take the path of least resistance to a commission check, the rules are for you. That's Correct. why we have to have the rules. So Perfect. if you just get that as a salesperson, you understand that it's not the business that's against you. Because if you go into it like that, all you're doing is fighting it all the time. You feel like you're, you know, you're the you're a revolutionary warrior inside your organization, you know, to say, you know, I'm never going to play by the rules. But the truth is that the rules are not against you. They're to make sure that the house remains standing on a good foundation so that you can keep earning and the business as a whole is strong. That's why they're there. Right. By the way, in the extreme example. Let's be a little generous here. In the extreme example, the 1% of 1% where the rules are not fair, then I think you should quit. Yes. <laughs> 
or, and there's another example. So, so, so if the rules are absolutely unfair, you should, you should quit or you could go point out to the leadership team. This is a problem. Do that before you quit. By yeah, the way, exactly. To make sure that, you know, that option is, you know, exercised. So we just, as a company, we just put a, a you met Mary earlier. She's our mm -hmm. director of operations. So she just put this, this rule in place and I'm watching it. Because I'm not sure if it's going to work. Now, mm. She doesn't know this. She won't know this until I've answered. She listens to this podcast. Mm. But she's an operator. The way she works is linear in between the lines. Yep. I hire her because that's what I want. Linear, sequential. Yep. That's a, what I B, want. C, Here are the rules. My salespeople, I want my salespeople to think creatively. I want them to mm. work on things. I, I want them to be nonlinear. I want them to be myopically focused. So we just started a a new division of the company. We're opening up a, an entirely new offering and uh, in coaching and business coaching. And we're bringing in a lot of deals, like a lot of deals. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, sometimes salespeople are taking some creative license with what they're bringing a deal in for. And Mary said, okay, this isn't working for me because right. I, I can't manage this. So she's come up with this thing where they have to go through this form and get price approval before they can go. Like I've been there. I've been there. Okay. So, I used to work for a company and they had, I was a national account. So we worked on really big enterprise level accounts. We're talking about, you know, fortune 50 companies, like mm -hmm. that type of thing. And these were multi-million dollar deals. And the company had a setback. And this happens to companies from, from time to time. It was a massive deal. They went bankrupt and the company had to write off several million dollars. Mm -hmm. And it was a big hit. Company missed their numbers, stock market, you know, hit us hard, ugly things happened. So the company did this, this, this basically, you know, pendulum swing from go kill everything to you can't kill anything unless we tell you. Mm. And what they did was they put a rule in place that before you could even prospect to account. So you're the CEO mm. of a big company. I want to have a conversation with you before I can even talk to you. I had to go through an approval process to get approval to have a conversation. And I had to justify why mm. I'm going to have a conversation. The dumbest rule ever put in place by any organization. I've never heard of that. It turned the pipeline off because the salespeople were like, this is too hard. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to justify that. I got to go talk to the person before I can tell you whether or not there's a deal opportunity there. So it turned the pipeline off. The salespeople were, you know, were whining about it. And we, we sat down, we sat down with our leadership team and said, this isn't working. Like we understand where you're coming from, but like this, this is tying our hands in a way that makes it, we're, we can't be fluid in the way that we're targeting and prospecting. Sure. Tell us the companies you want us to go after. We can do that, but you can't like, before we can have the conversation, now we have to like fill out an eight page spreadsheet in order to get that. Well, eventually, because the pipeline died, the, right. the people that put the rules in place, there were people like Mary who are operationally mm -hmm. driven, who said, we can't ever have this happen again where we, you know, we lose all this money. It, they did that, not thinking like a salesperson thinks. Right. We were able to get a compromise in where we were able to sit down and say, okay, here are the ideal qualified prospects. Mm -hmm. Here are the things that we need to find out in discovery. And here are the, here's the, the place in the, in the sales process that if we hit this place and we feel like this company as a credit risk or an issue for us that won't allow us to move forward. At that point, we make a decision and we cut ties and move on. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a reasonable thing. Salespeople get that, right? We understand that there's a place where we say, we're not going to move forward with a presentation. Correct. So if you're in a situation where your company is built a rule like that, like our rule, 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm watching it because I'm a sales guy mm-hmm. and I don't want rules that keep my salespeople from selling, sure. but I also want to protect the company. And I'm watching the salespeople. If it becomes an issue, like if we're losing deals because it takes too long to get price approval in between the time that we want to sit on the customer, we'll, we'll, we're going to have to make a compromise. Mm-hmm. And that compromise may be saying, here's the price that we have. There's no negotiating. There's it. I don't know. No, I, I'm, I'm yeah. smirking because every time you put in a rule, there's always unintended consequences. Yes. Things you didn't see that spin out of control. And it takes a great leader to monitor that and say, you know what? That's not working. Let's adjust it. But I also like the fact that you have to keep an eye on because let's give this person a little bit of credit. That maybe internally they had somebody set up the rules that are really unfair because they don't understand sales. I've been in that situation where, like you, I've sold the big systems, right? Technology products. And internally it says, well, here are the parameters. I'm like, well, that doesn't match with what they're buying or how this works. And it took some negotiation to kind of get there, but it wasn't that difficult. They wanted deals too, because if nothing's coming through the, the the pipeline, nobody's making money, nobody's eating. And so I think there is some negotiation, but it goes back to negotiation, clarify the rules. I like it. But, it, but let's go back to what we said. You got to play by the rules before mm-hmm. you're, you have the moral high ground mm-hmm. to sit down with your leadership and say, the rules aren't working. Right. The problem is, is that in a lot of cases, what happens, you have salespeople who are not playing by the rules. Mm-hmm. And then they sit down with leadership and say, these rules aren't working for me. And the leadership team says, well, you're not even playing by the rules. You mm-hmm. have no you have no standing to have this conversation with me. But if you're playing by the rules and you can say, look, I'm playing by the rules and these are the problems I'm facing, you're likely going to get somebody to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Why? Because businesses aren't stupid. They want to grow. Like they, the, the, the person in accounting or the person who is the CFO or the person's operator, like Mary, Mary's just thinking about the business. She's not doing this because she wants to hurt you. She's just doing it because she thinks this isn't working. We've, we're all over the place. And right. how are we going to sustain this mm-hmm. if, you know, if we're not profitable? And she's got one mandate for me, which is we make money. Like we're, we're, let's do this. I'm in the, we're in the profit business. You know, so I think that, I think that you have to be able to look your leaders in the eye, having done the, th- the, the thing they ask you to do and then say, we got to make some changes. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I mean, in your experience, you know, you know, 80, 20, 70, 30, what's the split between people who really follow the rules, salespeople who follow the rules and those who don't? I mean, do you have a finger in the wind sense for that? I think that I think what you have is a bell curve. Like you have mm-hmm. a group of salespeople who are high performing and they're following the rules. And by the way, they're breaking the rules and they're getting away with it mm-hmm. because they're high performing. They've right. they've earned the right to get some hairy mm-hmm. deals taken. And I and I've been yeah. on that I've been yeah. in that place where I've I've sold great deal, great deal, great deal, great deal, great deal. And be able to sit on my Nine boss cakes, and say, one yeah. third. And I'm like, hey, yeah. listen, here's why I think you need to take this. Yeah. So, for example, I had a boss one time. His, his name was Bill Carson's. Bill, if you're listening to this, I love you. Right? So I had Bill Carson's, and he was uh, a really fun guy to work for. But he was a hard ass when it came to contracts and pricing. Mm-hmm. And and so I would go – he had to sign the contract. So you, when you brought a contract in, I could get the contract done. Like A lot of times mm-hmm. I would go to the customer and say, listen, I can't agree to this. Mm-hmm. But if you'll sign it. It is a lot easier for to get for me to get my boss to agree to it. Right. And by the way, my company is the same way. Like I, I can't agree to that. But if you sign it, Jeb may say yes. Yeah. So, uh, so I would get deal signed. And Bill would like push back hard. You need to go back out and talk to the customer. And so I would go back out there and talk to the customer. And I, you know, and sometimes he was right, and I would get a little bit more. And he would do that to me, do that to me, do that to me. And then you know, I started getting really good at it. Mm-hmm. And he kept doing it. Like I would bring him good deals, and he would go. I, this is not go get more. <laughs> that he kept and then on one on day I'm sitting in his office. I'm, I remember I was Charlotte, North Carolina. See, big. He had this big, massive uh, desk, right? Sitting in his office, big me played played on the uh, the, the the offensive line for Purdue, uh-huh. and uh, and I'm I'm like I take the contract, and he goes, "This isn't good enough. I need you to go out and get me more." And I looked at him and I said, "Bill, 
I'll tell you what, look, I've gotten all I can, I, all I can get. I said, I, I understand this isn't a deal you want. I said, tell you what, I'm going to go out there and find another deal. And I stood up and I took the contract signed by the customer, right? And it's a big contract. <laughs> and his trash can was right next to the, the thing. And I dropped it in the trash can and said, you, you stay here. I'm going to go out and find another deal that you can approve. Yeah. And I walked out the door. So I'm I'm in the parking lot fuming like I'm yeah. like I'm cussing him under my right, I mean right, I, like right. yeah. you know yeah. and, we've, and all, we've all been there and I hear him behind me like Jeb come here and I turn around and he's got the contract in his hand and he signed it and he That's handed funny. to me he goes he goes That's he goes funny. he goes just just get it done right there and he never did that to me again That's like, a good story by the way I like that at story. that point he began to trust me right so <laughs> so the thing is is that you got to have that standing you know Brooke on our team is is that salesperson who brings good deal, good deal, good deal, good deal. And then she comes and says, look, I really want to get this done. Mm -hmm. Here's what we have to do. Where can we compromise? Right. And where can we bend? Yeah. Not and, break. And we do like, yeah. you know, I'm look, I'm, you know, I'm not, we're not stupid. Like we want to do business. We know that we got to take some risk as a business, but we trust you. Mm -hmm. That's what, that's where, when you look at the bell curve, you got people at the top, they're just killing it. Yeah. And then you got people in the middle, the people in the middle, mostly are playing by the rules. Mm -hmm. And they're probably sub-optimizing their income because mm -hmm. they're not pushing the envelope. And mm -hmm. I won't sell, you know, you want salespeople to push the envelope sure. a little bit. You want people to, if you're a good organization, you're learning because your salespeople are bringing you things and you're paying attention. You're mm -hmm. seeing patterns like here's an issue. Here's an issue. Here's an issue. And you think, hmm, is my competitor doing something I'm not doing? So right. you've got those folks, but they're not pushing the issues. And then you got po folks at the end of the bell curve who, in a lot of cases, they're, they're not prospecting hard. They're not doing a very good job. Their pipelines are bad. Mm -hmm. They're fighting the system, fighting the rules, whining and complaining, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, carrying on about what's wrong, what's not wrong, what's not right. And and they're, they're typically the ones that are probably going to leave the organization, right. not because the organization is doing really bad things and they need to quit, because they're not willing to step up to the plate and do all the right things because that requires discipline, mm -hmm. like the discipline to go out. It requires them to have good, a good emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. It requires you to make relationships with people. It requires you to mm -hmm. think it requires you to negotiate, it requires you to do all right. the things you have to do in order to, in order to, to win both internally and externally. And I, and, and I'm, I mean this with all my heart, the internal cell will always for you as a salesperson be harder than the external cell, not because it's actually harder, but because it's harder emotionally, because you want the organization when you walk in with a deal to go, Oh my God, Victor, you got a deal. Ring yeah. the bell. Woohoo! Like you want that. And they don't always welcome you that way. <laughs> they don't they, do that. You know, like, they, they go, all right, let's do what you got. Right. And so, got. Yeah. and so you feel disrespected because that happened. And, and I get that. I understand. Yeah. I've been in your shoes, and, but that's where the bell curve works. But the people right. at the top, like the, your top performers, they figured this out and they so figured you, it out in every organization. To your point. So, so if we can categorize things for people, so I can kind of put them in buckets, the A players, that's, that's it. They get the deals. I don't believe that this person sent you the email is an A player because they, they would have been up there and they're getting deals. Right. So this person's either a B player, middle or a C player, not getting the job done. That's why I would whoever's listening to this should actually reflect on where they're at. Are they B players or are they C players? Because if they're A players, I know they're closing deals. Yeah. And again, you can bring in nine cakes, one turd, and they'll buy the turd on average. You know, so I think I think your 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 thought process is correct. Yeah, absolutely. So so if we break this down, if we just go back and think about mm -hmm. what we've we've come up with, mastering the internal sale. Yeah. First, you you gotta know the rules. Mm -hmm. And you need to play by the rules, like color inside the lines. Mm -hmm. 
And and one of the things that will help you color inside the lines is not being desperate. Like, right. And that means you have a full pipeline. So yep. if you have a full pipeline, everything is better. Like you're a better salesperson. Every time. You're better at the internal sale. You can drop a, a contract in the trash can and say, Bill, I'll see you later because I got go. plenty more out here because you do. And you don't need it. So you can sell like you don't have to sell. And by the way, just, just to emphasize a point there, the, the power that comes with that, the confidence, the power that comes with that, you know, that whole control your own destiny thing is important. Because there's, there's that element that I like, yeah, I rule this thing. So go ahead. I didn't mean to I, cut you no, off. no, you're exactly right. And 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 so so we get that. We have to have awareness. Mm -hmm. You gotta know like this is why this happening. This is not a us against you. Sometimes the people who are making the rules don't totally understand what it's like to be in your shoes. That's true. Mm -hmm. But the rules are there to keep the house from being burnt down. Correct. You got to if you start there and think everybody's intentions are good. It's not they're trying to hurt me. You also need to focus on those internal relationships because people buy you. And in a lot of cases, you know, when you're when you're trying to get people to help you, if you can bring them in early and you're not surprising them. This is mm -hmm. the word you said. I think it's mm -hmm. so important. If you don't surprise them, you have a boss who said no excuses, no surprises. Yeah. And right, and the surprises was the thing that like that would get you get you killed. And I'm the same way. Like, yeah. don't surprise me. Yeah. If you tell people in advance, like your wife, hey Victor, we're going on vacation. Yeah. And then the next day, Victor, you're on yeah. vacation. And pretty soon you figure out it's like bull and the frog, right? You put yeah. the frog in the water and you, and you heat it up a little bit. That's slow, exactly it. Right? <laughs> That's so, exactly. So you, you got to be there. And then and then I think that it you know it's once you understand all those things, it's if you want to change the rules, like if you got to change mm -hmm. the rules, then you need to have the moral high ground to change the rules. Right. So if you're the A player and you're crushing deal, crushing deal, crushing deal, and you see that there's a rule that's in the way and you go sit down with your boss and you've been doing all the right things, trust me, the boss is going to listen to you. Every when, time. when you're hitting the Every numbers, time. nobody's not going to listen to the top salesperson. Nobody. I, I, I love that because I, that really emphasizes that, again, you can't control it if you're killing deals. I want to I want to insert something, Jeb, real quick. You know, there's something called like the fundamental attribution error. And that is that sometimes we psych ourselves out. We go, well, if I take the deal to Jeb, he's not going to want to do it. I start thinking about what you're going to tell me without really going over there and verifying what you're going to tell right. me. And sometimes we psych ourselves out. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, well, that's the, they're telling the story. It's the bullshit story we tell in our head mm -hmm. about all the things that we can't do. Right. Right. And right. so, so then we, you know, we show up and we're, you know, we're already changing our body language. So it means the right. same thing. Like you, you say, you talk about confidence, right? You walk right. into your office office. If I had looked at Bill and said, well, I don't know, Bill, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best. I mean, he would have just run right over me. I think it's yeah. a good deal. I mean, they really like us. When you, yeah, exactly. I don't think it'll impact us in any way <laughs> but when you stand up put your shoulders back and say look this is the best thing i can get yeah. and drop it in the trash can and walk out the door because i got 10 other things in my pipeline i can close i don't really need that deal that bad now bill wants it more than i do that's right and, and by the way your body language your tone is right. part of mastering the inside sale. exactly right and then and then if you are in an untenable situation if mm. you're working with a company and they're just doing stupid stuff and there are a few companies out there that will do that. Like we talk about a bell curve. There's going to be some companies yeah. out there that are doing stupid stuff and are not willing to listen and not willing to change. Right. And you're a talented salesperson. In some cases, it may make sense to take your talent and find another company that's willing to hire you and bring you on and use your talent and appreciate your talent. Exactly. But yeah. understand that you're never going to go to any place that's going to be a free for all. And, 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 and with the exception of a few startups that may be a free for all for a while, until somebody wakes up one day and realizes that we don't have any process systems, we're not making any money. And by the way, our investors would really like us to get a return on the investment. So those are, the, I mean, that's the key to mastering the inside sale. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I have nothing to add to that, but I love, I love your visual about things can be fluid at the beginning if you work for a smaller company. 
little by little, much like, you know, plate tectonics, things begin to, you know, get into place. And now we got some rules. But again, I go back to your point, Jeff. If you're the top, you're the A players, man, you can do a lot. So you just got to prove yourself to be an A player. So, Victor, tell us how people can find you. And you've got an amazing podcast. I want people to talk about the podcast that you've got uh, and where people can subscribe to your podcast. And uh, and let's like light us up. All right, Jeff. I'm so famous that if you just go to Google and type in VictorAntonio.com, you'll find me. Just type in Victor Antonio. The podcast is a sales influence podcast with the subtitle, Finding the Why and How People Buy. And I actually got that name, Sales Influence. I read Robert Cialdini's book, Dr. Robert Cialdini's book, Influence. I said, well, what if you can take the understanding of the brain, what motivates people to buy or make the decision-making process, tie it to sales, slam those two together, and that's how I came up with the Sales Influence podcast. Available everywhere. I love it. Very good. So go to Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Go subscribe. Listen to the Sales Gary podcast and the yes. Sales Influence podcast together. You will get uh, one two punch, baby. One yeah. two punch. And if you've got questions about this podcast, if you've got some some things you want to talk about in terms of the internal sell, if you've got some gripes, if you want to just throw some stuff up on the board and say, you know, I hate my company, or I hate whatever, or you've got ideas for a future podcast, or maybe even getting Victor and I back together for a future podcast, love to have him on. Send me a text message at 706-397-4599. That's 706-397-4599. You can text Insider Podcast, your question, Victor, I don't care. You can, you can, you can type in sales. It doesn't make a difference but I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for being on the Sales Career Podcast, Victor. Thank you.